You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. So, here's an interesting thought. I have a prayer in our new book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth. And it's called Freedom from the Synthetic Genetics. Now, some people say, Dan Duvall, you're just too much. Way out there on the deep end. Why would you ever write a prayer for freedom from synthetic genetics? You must have issues. And, and, and yet I'm sitting here looking at an article from CNBC.com, which says, Why Bill Gates is betting on a startup that prints synthetic DNA. Folks, let me tell you something. You are living in a world that is different than the world your parents grew up in. And this means that deliverance and inner healing ministry is transitioning. And you know what? I I am very excited to be part of God's move to address things that never really needed to be addressed before. And so guess what? We are. And I want to encourage you guys, if you haven't gotten the book, Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth, that is available. Also, while you're at it, go somewhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or whatever and leave a review because that's going to help others connect with something that is really changing lives. And I'll tell you, um, we have gotten... (laughs) So many testimonies from this book already. It's only been out a few months. Uh, For a while, it was the number one new uh, book in prayer on Amazon. Praise God for that. Uh, Amazon needs to get their act together on print copies because they're not available there right now. And they say they're temporarily out of stock. But if you want a print copy, just go to bridemovement.com because we have them for you. Now, I have a few other pieces of news before we get to our incredible guests for today. Uh, you, you guys are really going to enjoy what you get out of today's program. Um, but we have three classes and we're about to upload the fourth class for Bride Ministries Institute. And you can get to those from www.bridemovement.com and just click the Bride Ministries Institute tab. And classes are Grace in Christ, the Kingdom of Spiritual Warfare. I'll tell you, if you take all four of the classes we have recorded and uh, that are about to all be present on BMI, it's going to just absolutely revolutionize your life, just as it's revolutionized my life and the life of many people that have taken all four of those classes. You, you will think different. You will respond to things different. You will connect with God different. It, it, it's absolutely a foundational transition in paradigm. And so I want to uh, make sure that you're aware of that. Also, you can get a lot of our prayers free at bridemovement.com. I have a prayer called Freedom from Constellations on our website, which we put up a few weeks ago. The testimonies on that prayer are ridiculous. And I want to encourage you, if you're in, <laughs> even if you're in doubt, just experiment, okay? Find a prayer at Freedom from Constellations. Find your star sign, okay? This is one of the easy ways to use the prayer. Just, just that one for whatever month and day you were born on. And say the prayer with the star sign and 
see what happens, okay? Uh, we have been testing this, and I mean person after person after person, set free, delivered. We are seeing incredible testimonies of physical healing manifesting in conjunction with this particular prayer resource, and it's just so exciting. So um, I want to encourage you guys, you know, use some of the stuff that God is depositing in this ministry in order to get the breakthroughs that you're believing him for. I mean, you know, what do you have to lose, right? Uh, the only piece of caution I have with that particular prayer is if it gets too intense right off the bat and you feel like you're about to lose it, stop and find a prayer minister or trusted person that you can go through that prayer with. Okay, so there's my addendum. Now, uh, I do want to say thank you to all of you guys that are supporting us financially. We love you. We pray for you. We send you thank you cards now. <laughs> and um, I just want to encourage you to continue. There's so many things that we want to do at Bride Ministries. We have so much left to build on this school, Bride Ministries Institute. Um, we have a lot of survivors to help. Uh, we want to continue to create materials and things. And, and, and I know that for me, I'm actually going to be stepping back from all the coaching hours I've been putting in recently in order to spend more time writing and creating and developing because there's so much just on the table waiting to be articulated and put out. So, um, and there are other pieces of vision that are just super exciting, like creating housing solutions so that we can transition traffic victims out of their situations into a safe place so that a healing journey can either commence or continue in a sustainable way. Uh, we, we actually want to invest in people that have actual evidence of crimes committed by satanic cults and evil groups and and subsidize the funding of actual lawyers that will take these things to physical courts and see to it that groups that do evil things are brought to justice. You know, I, I have a vision to use Bride as a vehicle for some really, really cool things. And, and, and the more we have financially, the more we can do. And so uh, you guys that are sewing into this ministry are sewing into something revolutionary. And I, and I want you to know that. And so anyone that is listening to this and you say, yeah, I want to support what you guys are doing, you know, uh, bridemovement.com. And by the way, don't expect us to on, <laughs> onboard debt. Like when we get into the housing arena for survivors, that those would be cash purchases, meaning we're believing in God for hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. That, those are the numbers we're believing God for now. Why? To get into solutions that are debt-free. Why? Because we believe that God doesn't have any debt, so why should you or I? Anyway, I am going to get to our program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. All right, folks, I am here and I am about to get into it with a guest that should have been with me, get this, over a year ago. And I'm going to tell you what happened. This was one of the only, and it may have happened one other time, uh, one of the only recordings that actually was lost because of a computer glitch. 
and half the interview got deleted and we were never able to re-record or finish or correct what had happened. And through a <laughs> series of events uh, from, from, from totally unexpected avenue, uh, we have been reintroduced and I am here to introduce you to Apostle Alexander Pagani. And he is the founder of He Is Risen Tabernacle in Bronx, New York. He is an apostolic Bible teacher with keen insights into the realm of the demonic, generational curses, and deliverance. He's an internationally sought-after conference speaker. He takes an uncompromising approach to scripture and has been involved in more than 400 deliverance sessions. He's appeared on various television networks, including TBN, The Word Network, and he's an honorary graduate of Central Pentecostal Bible Institute. Apostle Alexander, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Amen. Excited to be here again for the second time. And um, when I found out that it was you, um, I myself laughed because they had no idea that we had previously been interviewed before by by you. And um, the show went through some technical difficulties and it was never able to air. So here we are again. So I'm excited to uh, do this again. So I'm ready when you are. Let's do it. Excited to be here. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you. You know, folks, actually, the, the way we got introduced the first time was my uh, then fiance Christian had met Alexander at a uh, conference and heard him speak and engaged with him afterwards and told me about him and said, man, you, you got to get a hold of this guy. I think this would be an awesome, a divine connection. You guys are treading a lot of similar ground. And many of you know, we have an ongoing conversation on this podcast about deliverance, deep deliverance. Um, right. that actually gets the job done. This is not surface-level stuff. And, 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 well, I'm not talking to a surface-level guy. I want to begin with this. Okay. What is your testimony? Well, I got saved in prison. You know, God was not on the agenda. Um, I ended up facing 7 to 21 years in prison. Uh, by God's grace, um, that sentence got lowered to six years. Um, in prison, God was not on the radar, um, but nevertheless, uh, there was a couple of Christian correctional officers that made it their business to evangelize to me. Um, so that's kind of like how it started for me. Um, I was intrigued uh, with the kingdom. Um, what stuck out more to me, more than anything, with these uh, correctional officers was their sincerity and their love. It, it literally, they were oozing with love, and um, it bypassed all of the walls and all of the, the dysfunctions and all of the uh, street life, thug life, all of that stuff, hip-hop culture. It literally just literally bounced over that, leaped over that wall and, and just touched me. Um, soon after, maybe about a year and a half, maybe about halfway into uh, my six-year prison sentence, I had a divine encounter. Uh, Jesus literally walked in my cell and spoke to me in my right ear and said, Son, I want you to follow me. Um, and at that time, I knew uh, about God. I had some understanding to understand that I, I knew it was Jesus talking to me, you know. And a demonic entity manifested immediately after the Lord spoke to me, and there was this real tug of war going on 
for me, you know. And I remember clearly uh, just remembering my Pentecostal grandmother um, that, you know, said to me when I was maybe about like five years old, uh, she, she had mentioned that, you know, when you pray and you feel um, and you sense this uh, this heat sensation. That's because the Lord is a consuming fire, and He's He's present in the room with you. And I just I remember thinking that at that moment. And the only way that I could best explain what was happening in my cell, because this was happening to me in my cell, um, was a whirlwind. Um, I didn't know later that the Lord speaks through the whirlwind in the Book of Job, but at that time it was a whirlwind in my cell. But nothing was like blowing around. It just was. It was a whirlwind in my cell, um, and the Lord was in that whirlwind. And he only spoke one time. He said, son, I want you to follow me. Um, now, the demonic entity that manifested um, on my left side uh, began to, wouldn't stop talking, just kept yelling, no, you know you know what you have to give up, and then began to throw things in my mind, like in an instant, like things that I enjoyed doing in my sinful condition, uh, began to tell me, you know that you would have to give all of this up. Um, not sure exactly what happened in between then, but I remember falling to my knees to, on the side. I fell to my knees, but I fell towards like uh, when you're um, begging for mercy at the court, kind of like that type of uh, posture. I remember falling on my knees and then turning, slumping to the side, and at, at that moment of I, I felt immensely sinful. That was the feeling that came over me. I felt totally depraved. I felt like I was in a current state of deep darkness, and I knew that I deserved hell. And I remember just lifting up my hands and just saying, all right, Lord, I accept. Now, I didn't say the sinner's prayer, but I did say I accept, which was my version of the sinner's prayer, and God met me there. And the whirlwind that was literally, like, not too far from me, maybe about, like, three feet away from me, merged within me, just walked inside of me, and I felt this rivers of living fire. That's the best that I can explain it. It wasn't rivers of living water. Mm. It was rivers of living fire. Later, maybe two, three years later, I realized it was the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So I was being regenerated. So I felt like this gushing rivers of fire going all throughout my soul. It just felt like crashing waves, like when a wave crashes against the shore on the rocks. It felt like that. It was just gushing all throughout like my whole body. Um, and instantly instantly I was born again and the cigarettes the pornography the cursing no withdrawals nothing until this day um, it just hasn't left you know it just it just was there um, and that's how I, that's how um, my conversion experience happened and I knew that I was I had repented of my sins and I surrendered my heart to Jesus um, and I began to risk, live the rest of my prison sentence um, as a Christian and then about um, six years later, um, I'm released, and I started traveling the country, uh, sharing my testimony of my conversion experience, and that that led one thing to another, and then next thing I know, I'm in Bible school, and then pastoring, and then getting called to deliverance, and then here we are, um, and that was about 29 years ago. This was in 1992, 29 years ago, going on 30 years when since I got saved. Man, oh man. So you, your encounters with the demonic didn't start yeah. after you jumped into ministry. I mean, this was a lifelong thing, and then there no, you are. No, this was, yeah, in prison, I remember praying to Satan oh to empower me <laughs> to live the jail lifestyle 
without reservation or without having a conscience for people. Um, which means I didn't. I want to be able to live the prison life, and if whatever I had to do to survive, I'm going to do it without um, it affecting my sleep at night. So I remember just telling Satan to come into me so that way I could do what I need to do to survive um, in prison, and that's exactly what happened. I was I was a monster in, in prison. I, I was a monster, at least for that first 18 months, I, I was a monster in prison until the Lord visited me that day, and then I became born again. Incredible. So walk us into your angelic encounter and the revelation God gave you about deliverance. Well, believe it or not, immediately upon conversion, I started having um, visions and dreams concerning deliverance. Now, at that time, I didn't know that it, that there was such a ministry um, that ministered in that lane. I just knew that believers had authority over the devil, and I knew that the name of Jesus worked. But I began to have uh, consistent night visitations with uh, dreaming. I started dreaming about seeing me casting out demons or seeing me um, helping people get set free, a particular group of people. Like, in my mind, I, I saw me helping uh, the inner-city hip-hop culture of that group getting deliverance. And I didn't know what it was. It was the beginnings of. Um, so what I did was I asked the prison uh, chaplain and the prison um, church volunteers um, if they could get me books on you know, anything that had to do with learning about like, like the demonic. And believe it or not, there was one guy that said, I believe that there's something the Lord might be calling you to deliverance. And he started giving me, uh, he handed me a book called The Bondage Breaker by Neil T. Anderson. And that's how it started for me. My mind um, opened up and the book literally gave context to what I was seeing and hearing um, in the night seasons and divisions in prison, um, and I uh, just dove headfirst into uh, spiritual warfare, um, and then I just, I shelved it for a while, um, because then the Lord began to tell me, I need, I want you to prepare for the pastorate, you know, so I re-picked it up about maybe seven years after opening a church and serving as lead pastor, because uh, our congregation um, had uh, we were in overflow. The house was packed. We had a lot and tons and tons of people getting saved. But after a couple of years, I began to realize they're saved, but I don't think they're delivered. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I, I, what, what funny, funny was is that I began to talk to other pastors about deliverance, and, I di and here is where things turned for me. Mm. I didn't know, at least at this time, that deliverance had been abandoned by the church. So when I started revisiting it again, I didn't know that deliverance, um, somewhere between the early 90s and then the early uh, 2000s, uh, deliverance had become unpopular. So I'm here trying to get some context to, well, how do I get people delivered like these, 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 members, these members of mine, and no pastor, and there was no conference catering to that. So I said, okay, God, you got to help me, man. Like, show me what to do. And that's when... The Lord told me, I need you to go back to some of your books that you had in prison, revisit them, and then I'll show you from there, um, and which ultimately led to 
an angelic visitation, and I'll share about that a little bit later. It led to an angelic. So that's how I revisited the topic of deliverance again. So so good. Here's where I, I just find the story so fascinating. When a person's told, okay, you know, go prepare for the pastorship, and that means you stop getting education on dealing with the kingdom of darkness. It's like, all right, time to clean up my act, right? You, you know, I remember when God had gotten a hold of me in college. I mean, I jumped headfirst into trying to figure out the whole deliverance piece because many of my listeners know when I was growing up, I dealt with demons. I mean, I would see them with my eyes open. I got right. harassed. Uh, I, used, I used to get attacked. I mean, I would be in sleep and I'd go through the sleep paralysis. They'd jump on me. They'd wrestle with my physical body. I, and then, you know, you go into Christianity and your question is, <laughs> so where's the solution, you know? And this, it's strangely in certain circles, at least, silent. Um, right. And, and it, that can be very frustrating if you know, like, well, I am not crazy. <laughs> right. But, but here you are, right? And so God, God released you into ministry. I mean, you're doing an awesome thing. Your church is blowing up. You begin to recognize that people might be saved but not delivered. Now, what does that look like? And, and, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here. Many of my listeners are going to be like, oh, come on, why are you asking that question? But, but seriously, what does it look like well, to be saved and not delivered? Well, what I began to notice was um, a habitual pattern. I just kept seeing people f- struggling with the same thing consistently throughout the years with no solution and with no resolve or no change at all, or at least no transformation. You know, And w- what's funny is, is that um, Bible Institute and graduating from like seminary, it was great, great foundational truths. Um, but there was no, there's no demonic worldview within modern evangelicals' worldview or system for training. So, in the beginning, I just thought it was they just need to change their mind, like they need they need to find some principle that they're not doing some some principle, and if they change the principle and renew their mind, there will be corresponding actions. And I found that many of them were re- were renewing their mind, but their problems. The, the the answer for their problems was not a principle. <laughs> it was Come it on. was there was an entity that was there. There was an entity that was perpetuating that uh, pattern of behavior. That even when they didn't want to do it, they were doing that. So I said, okay, God, I don't think this is. I don't think this is. Uh, you know, just you know, faulty stinking thinking, you know, like there's something going on here. Um, and that's how it started for me. And I, I didn't know where to turn to. So I started turning to some of the older books. I went looking for, here's what's interesting. I went looking for the deliverance ministers of the seventies. And unfortunately, the majority of them had went on to be with the Lord. None of them were alive. Mm. Nobody. Derek Prince had been gone. The Lord called him home. Uh, Wynn Worley was gone. Maxwell White was gone. And I was like, Frank Hammond was gone. And I said, okay, God, <laughs> who are the new, who are the new uh, deliverance teachers? And the truth was, there was nobody. It wasn't until maybe about, let's just be honest, like maybe six, six years ago that some of the apostles and prophets began to release material on the demonic again so i went through in ministry of like a medieval dark ages i just had no answers i had nothing other than 
just let's come on, let's fast and pray, help you get free. And it wasn't until about maybe six years ago that I guess the resources were available from some of the more popular authors like Apostle John Eckhart, Guillermo Maldonado, and these guys. They started releasing their material, and then we started picking them up, and that's when finally I got some answers to some of the problems that were plaguing uh, some of the uh, the members and spiritual sons and daughters of our church um, and helping them bring closure and resolve to the habitual things that they had been dealing with and tormented with um, as a believer that I that um, throughout the years that they couldn't break free from they were instantly getting uh, deliverance from it at least when I revisited it at that mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. so let's talk at this point about the, the divine revelation how did that play out? Um, I jumped into deliverance uh, not knowing what I was doing. Um, and then I teamed up with another minister, and we did, we did some deliverance, and I started to get uh, some understanding. And it wasn't until um, I got on this, man, I, I had like this intense pursuit of God's presence because I wanted answers. I read this one verse that revolutionized me, Mark Matthew chapter 13, he said, Unto you it is given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it is not. And then he goes on to say, To him who has, more will be given, and to him who has not, the little bit that he has will be taken with him. And I understood that to mean that if I wanted to know, then I needed to actively pursue and abandon everything to get that answer. And I, that's what I did. I went on a literally like a 90-day fast, and I'm not exaggerating. I did 40 days, and then I, I stopped, and then I did another 13 days. I just pursued, and all I said was, God, I want to know the secrets to deliverance. I want to know the secrets to deliverance. I said, because some of these books that I'm reading now does not cater to the inner city black and Latino culture. This is catering to a different demographic of people. I need current uh Fresh uh, strategies, fresh uh, anointing, fresh oil for evolved demons that plague uh, the New York City, inner city, hip-hop demographic. God, you got to give us answers because this stuff here and these books are not catering to this group because these demons that we're dealing with in the inner city, at least for black and Latino, um, they can handle uh, prayers from these books. I need new strategies. And I just pursued about 18 months of just me and the Holy Spirit. And then one day, mm-hmm. one day, without looking, about, without looking for it, you know, um, I have a vision. And in the vision, this nine-foot angel, well, at least in the dream, it didn't appear to be an angel, but he, he, was, he was huge. He comes up to me, just randomly, just walks straight to me and says, open your hand. Mm-hmm. And when I op- open both your hands, when I open both my hands, he places a book in it. The book, the book is small, but it's glistening in sky blue. And the words on the cover of the book says, The Secrets to Deliverance, and it was glistening in gold. He closes my hand, and it disappears, like vanishes. I wake up out of whatever I was in, and from that day until this day, there's an open heaven, and there's an angel assigned to me in the area of deliverance, hence leading to, from our last conversation until now, we've taken this message of deliverance all over the world, and we've even had the privilege of ministering to kings in Nigeria, deliverance, and celebrities, um, deliverance to mm-hmm. this day. 
Um, that's how it started. Um, there is a divine mandate, at least on my life, to help people get set free in the area of demonic uh, torment. One of the interesting things about your ministry is that you guys um, actually will go and put the sessions, especially if they're in a live corporate setting, on YouTube. And folks, those of you that are listening, you can find some of the clips of live deliverance being ministered just by searching Alexander Pagani on YouTube. Let me ask you, um, how did your deliverance ministry, like the, the way it actually played out, evolve from you know the days where you were using prayers that, like you said, the, the demons you were coming up with could handle right. to what you're doing now? How, how is that evolution? What has it looked like? Well, I, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, the secret to the success of our ministry of deliverance that the Lord has placed in our hand is not because... Um, I'm special, but it's because I'm Deliverance's number one client. And I say this with with a clear conscience. The reason why um, I ask the Lord and I begin to immensely dive into this thing was because I was seeking for my own freedom. I had a successful ministry. Um, I had a successful preaching ministry. You know, I had become a household name in New York City, had a thriving church, had at least at that time the fastest growing church, still have it, but we're a kingdom church now, but at least at that time I had a, like a religious church. We had one of the fastest growing religious churches at least, or ultra-conservative churches uh, in the Bronx at that time, but I was dealing with my own demons. So in my own quest to get myself free from some of the uh, ailments that were plaguing me, I went through various deliverance sessions, and it didn't work. It didn't work. Like, literally, they didn't have enough, either they didn't have enough rank, or they didn't know how to deal with the particular kind of demons that I was dealing with. Um, They didn't even know how to deal with me as pertaining to my personality because they had never dealt with anybody uh, from hip-hop culture. They They don't know anybody from the street. They usually know how to deal with church people that need deliverance here i come i I don't got none of that you know i'm i'm just i don't i'm not churched so i don't know the you know the church language or the subjective you know there's this subjective uh church culture that you know certain things you do that you just know you fall and it's called slain in the spirit or you know this stuff that's i think is just subjective you know just culture that's just subjectively there you know with me i don't know i don't know when i'm supposed to fall i don't know when i'm supposed to vomit i don't know none of that stuff i'm like yo listen man i just got voices in my head can you help me get set free and they couldn't they couldn't break free they could they they couldn't they couldn't even break through you know so i said okay god tell me and that's when the holy spirit kind of um kind of talk to me a little bit more about like you know demonic compartmentalization um you know deep you know nephilim type of hybrid demon you know and um along those lanes you know um genetic manipulation you know that causes me to do stuff you know that this programming stuff I, I couldn't find context to it at least at that time you know um and that's when when I had the angelic visitation, um, God began to told me to revisit back the Old Testament, and that He was going to begin to show me 
um, a deeper level of contamination within the within the human DNA uh, with pre demonically pre-programmed stuff and things like that in the line of Cain and and at first I was like okay God like this please don't let this be heresy Lord please but the more I dived in the more that I it just became obviously aware that the church has not even scratched like level one we're still on in boot camp deliverance you know and like I don't even know how to explain it we haven't even and then I found one verse that at least brought some enlightenment where Jesus called it the depths of Satan and that's when I just felt the Holy Spirit so I'm going to show you the depths of Satan but you're not going to lose yourself and you're not going to get spooky and get lost in that I'm just going to show you the depths of Satan as your character matures and your personality is able to handle it and that you and that your trauma level won't get impacted when I show you some stuff, uh, I will begin to show it to you. So it's been like progression, like one stage after another. And then I realized that this is a, like a labyrinth, like an Alice in Wonderland. Um, and it's just been one, one door leading to another room that leads to another room that leads to a basement that leads to a door that and when you go through that door, it actually leads you to another another realm. And in that realm, it's up means down, down means left, left means right. It's just this a whole new realm, and that's kind of like how it's been. Um, it's to this day, it's progressively as I get it, I write it in my board, and then God forms it. So I have some stuff that um, that I don't understand, but it gets formed out within as God shows it to me. And some revelations take me months, and others years, and others instant. So that for me, it's progressive. So, so everything that you just said. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Dan Duvall, remember, you're interviewing your guest. Because I'm about to get started on a whole number of tracks, everything that you said. You know, one of the things that we notice is that the DNA is absolutely involved in bondage. As a matter of fact, right. the idea that there are only two strands of DNA is, is garbled nonsense. It's not, it's not even close to true. Uh, there are at least three strands, but probably, I, I mean, I don't even know how many strands there are. Some of them exist. And they're more spiritual than physical. And things right. get entangled in the spirit. You, you can entangle DNA right. in anything. We're, we're learning exactly. people can be entangled with principalities in the heavens. You, you, people are entangled genetically with Zeus and Poseidon and some of these high-ranking fallen angels that still use their names. It, it's, it's, it, and it requires going to that level to get people free, and, and this is where you know they, well, I repent well, well, of. Well, for, well, right. Well, what I think actually has to happen to just piggyback on what you're saying is, I think at least to get to the first level, I think just people need to get delivered from church. <laughs> I think just I just think people need to get delivered from modern evangelicalism and embrace kingdom. You know, like I just recently come to the conclusion that I believe that according to Leviticus chapter 11 and 18 concerning unclean animals, you know, um, which we usually bypass that, I am under the absolute plausibility. That's what I call it. Just, it's, I'm not absolute completely, but my plausibility is so absolute that I think that I'm totally right in this, that I think that the reason why some of these animals are unclean is because they were not part of God's original design for creation. I think these were animals that were birth and genetically created uh, pre the flood days or I just don't think that 
they were part of God's original design, hence making them unclean, not just in nature. I just think unclean because they're unauthorized. They're not even part of the book of life. They're not even registered. They're just unclean, you know, and that statement alone, talking to the average modern evangelical, I know exactly where their mind will go. This guy is in error. Like mm. immediately they go into this that's error, you know, or be careful, Pagani, you're getting spooky, you might get lost in that. Or and I'm going, but No, you're the one lost. Alexander, you're the one lost because you know, like tell yeah. tell me this, okay? The Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a location. Exactly. He as a person is a location. And the Bible says we are members of his body. That means he is a location, he is a person, and we become woven in to his right. existence. Exactly. And Jesus is the God-man, and he is in the spirit, though he's taking his physical body with him. Right. Right now. Now, how is it that you're going to tell me there is a washing of regeneration in Christ, which means to be regened? Right. By him, and, right. and tell me that an evil fallen angel cannot also manipulate genetics. Right. Well, in order for them to deny that, if the, if the average Christian was to deny that that's even possible, then they would have to, if anything, I call that heresy because you can't believe in Theoanthropos, which is the God-man, unless that it is physically, genetically even possible that the Holy Spirit would manipulate uh, Mary's womb to give birth to a 100% God and 100% man if, if it's not even possible. But it is possible because we know Jesus is God in the flesh, you know? But I just think that there, there's, there's this uh, agenda that's there, you know, and I guess maybe it's just ignorance is giving birth to ignorance. So what we have today is like a copy of a copy of a copy of what kingdom is and um and i think now god is waking 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 those up who want to be woken because if you don't want to be awakened and they want to continue in in saying that they see then jesus said because you say you see i'm gonna blind you i go into this saying god i'm blind help me see and he he totally makes me see see the saying so and I know what you're saying, and I know the language that you're talking, because I know that there are places and realms in the spirit realm, because the Bible talks about, one, a valley of dry bones. That's a real place. There's a valley of decision. The Bible talks about that book of Job. That's a real place. There's also the valley of trouble. That's also a real place. There's also a valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23. That is a real place that is not figurative, that is not metaphorical. It can be metaphorical to some degree, but those are real, literal places. Okay. You're saying the Bible talks about the river of fire. Uh, it also talks about the valley of death. These are real places. Paul talks about it. He says he translated us mm. out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Mm. That is real places in the spirit. I could go even a step further with that. When Zechariah saw a vision of Joshua, 
He saw Joshua in a real place. He saw him standing before the Lord, and before him were two um, olive branches giving out golden oil, and the angels. The angel was literally changing Joshua's clothes in the spirit realm, but Joshua was functioning like a normal day on earth, not knowing that there was his his alternate self is somewhere else getting a wardrobe change and the prophet is actually helping out the process come on but on earth we don't know what joshua was doing at that moment on earth but we know that in the spirit realm there was some stuff going on but what happens on the earth we know that there was this upgrade going on so then that makes sense to me whatever you do on earth it will be done in heaven there's this parallel universe um and I think that that's where most deliverance ministers kind of get lost because they don't even have that in mind. Um, I'm just getting in there, and therefore that led to the book, The Secrets to Deliverance, and that's what I talk about, going into that next level. But that's just one level. Who knows how many levels there are? There's probably multiple levels. Come on. Because the Bible says glory to glory to glory to glory. Infinite amount of levels we don't even know well and and this is where you, you i mean you're, you're talking language that we, we use and uh I, I love the fact that you because you come at this from such a different perspective you know i i came across deliverance it began with myself but i was using old-fashioned tools and then to begin to help survivors of satanic ritual abuse and generational witchcraft survivors uh, get free right. i had to develop a whole new set of tools because what i had didn't work and you know it doesn't right. work because you say, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus, and it's still there. And you say, I, right. I speak the blood of Jesus, and it's still there. You say, I right. ascend the fire of God, and it's still there. And you say, hmm, well, okay, all of the old, like, you know, it's, it's not working. Well, why don't you repent? I already did that. Okay. Right. Right. So you need a new, new tool set. Now, uh, which you, you talked about something that I've, I use the term inner world, but when you talked about... Alice in Wonderland. You talk about going into doors and one room takes you to another room and then all the rules change. And this, you know, we've been there. We, we've had to help people deconstruct these things. And, and right. sometimes it attaches them to other realms. Sometimes it's internal. And now here, here's the question that's going to take us to the next step of the conversation. The Bible says that we are individually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Is that metaphorical or is that literal, Alexander? Well, I believe that it's, I believe it's both, but I've been leaning towards literal, and I'm going to mm. tell you why. John chapter 2, this is, and I opened the book, I actually opened the first chapter discussing this, because if, if the average reader who's been conditioned by modern evangelicalism reads my book, I guarantee that they're going to say, Pagani is stretching this, man, like he's way out there. This is some stuff I agree, but this other stuff, he's totally stretching it. No, they're not deep enough. You know, they, they, they're just not deep enough. Jesus said this, and this is, was basically the premise for allowing me to be free to go down the, the rabbit hole like Alice. The, the, the Pharisees come up to Jesus and say, well, what authority you do these miracles? Who gave you this authority? And Jesus said, uh, and then he, then they said, show us a sign to prove your authority. Um, he said, destroy this temple. In three days, I'm going to raise it up. The next verse is what blew me away. Um, well, the next verse says, 
Well, this temple had taken 46 years to build, and there's metaphors and there's some good stuff in that. He says, you're going to build it in three days? But the next verse says, for when Jesus said this temple, he meant his body. The text is telling you that temple means, absolutely means body, according to heaven's worldview. The temple, without a shadow of a doubt, is not metaphoric. The temple means body, period. It's literally outlined in John chapter 2. So, so when I read that, it, it was like the scales fell from my, my eyes, and then I just clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, now what I want you to do is I want you to go back to the way to when Solomon built the temple, and I want you to reference every time you read anything that has to do with the temple, I want you to see it human body. So all of the kings of Israel and all of the stuff that happened in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, and all of that stuff, and the rebuilding of the temple, and the book of Ezra totally took on a whole new meaning for me. It literally, I was literally reading uh, these real stories and real events now from an Ezekiel perspective, because Ezekiel was shown the same temple, but in the spirit realm. So now I'm reading these same stories that I've, we've cherished and we've loved exegetically and, and you know and without taking it outside of its intended meaning but now i'm looking at it from all these verses human body and and then right there and i said whoa then it it is not just my view that a christian can have a demon i said it is absolutely possible without a shadow of a doubt that a christian can have a demon because we see all of the uh, all of the stuff that's going on throughout all of the history of the first kings, second kings, all through the kings of Israel, the kings of Judah, all the stuff that goes on in the temple. And then the Holy Spirit said, now look at, and the Holy Spirit would tell me, listen, now you see this event here? Look at, the, look at that in what's happening now in this person's life or in this situation or in the body of Christ in this. And I totally saw it. And that's when I had a, a, a paradigm shift, like completely. And that's when I was like, okay, Lord, how do I take all of this um, and just package it into one book? Um, and it took us about, since we last spoke, in, like about a year and a half to kind of at least compile it. And here we are, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, Scripture takes on a whole different meaning when you understand the temple is the human body, period, without a shadow of a doubt. Everything is connected to it. But now what the Holy Spirit is also showing me is... Um, is don't just focus on the rooms. These rooms have electrical wiring in there. There's also, you know, the bone stru the structure of the bone, the skeleton of a house. And now I'm like, okay, God, slow down, because this is just way too much. But now I absolutely see it, that there is not just the rooms, and there's, you know, genetic stuff going on, the neurotransmitters, you know, the atoms and all of that stuff, demons hiding in the atoms. And I go, okay, Lord, we could sit here and cast a demon out all you want out of a room, but if that demon is hiding in an atom, in a proton, in a neutron, you could sit here and say, come out in Jesus' name. If you don't target it as such, hidden in there, it will not leave. And therefore, you get people going, they get delivered, and then a month later, you see them on the news because they killed their whole family. Why? Because there was a demon also hiding in a DNA or in a gene or in a chromosome. And that hasn't been tackled by the church, at least yet. Uh, I'm just barely scratching the surface on that. But it's all, it's all connected. It's all connected.
So you look at the body as a temple because, you know, Jesus demonstrates that his body was a temple. And right. you look at that as having rooms. Now, in your understanding, what do the rooms represent for the person whose body is a temple? Well, very simple. Uh, modern psychology calls it compartmentalization. Each of these uh, compartments just represent a role that they play or a role within their personality. And you compile all of those roles and then you get, you know, you get a personality or you get what makes them them. Um, I was just taking that same principle, just not not knowing that it was that. Afterwards, I figured it out. Like, okay, this is nothing but you know Christian psychology here a little bit, you know. Um, and I realized that these rooms just represent roles that the Christian have. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm also a brother. I'm a husband, you know. Um, and some rooms are more important than others. Some take a, a some take a, some are more frequently in than others, you know, like I'm more in a dad room than I am in a neighbor room, you know, saying, because I don't talk to my neighbors in my community all the time, you know, I'm not outside every day, but I'm a dad all day because I'm a father, you see what I'm saying? So I'm in that room more than I am in some of the other rooms. So what I have found is the ones, uh, demons, or at least according to First Kings chapter 6, can potentially hide in these rooms. Um, and begin to alter the personality of the people. Here's where I try my best to, in this book to let at least your listeners, which, which they probably know because they've already been sitting under your ministry, but at least any of your more of your newer listeners, is, is that modern, evangelical, modern evangelicalism focuses so much on molding our character. Demons are not hiding in our character. They're hiding in our personality. That's what I've noticed. You're saying our character we're hid with Christ in God. The Holy Spirit is molding our character, whatever it is it is, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's within, you know, our personality and the functions of what makes us us, you know what I'm saying? That's where I have found that when it comes to, that's why you can see a prophet. Let's just use the office of a prophet. You see someone being used by God at service today. But by the time they hit the parking lot, they're the nastiest prophet you could talk to. When they get on that mic, they're the most anointed, and God does use them. Why? Because the demon's not hiding in their character, because when they're in their character, that character loves God. It's their personality. that there's, there's demonic nanites, or I don't even know how to call it. It's just something that's there, you know, hidden within, within that programming. Whatever program, whatever, whatever binary codes are there that make the personality function, I believe that they're demons pushing those buttons and, or rearranging the numbers. So that way, you know, instead of what makes them happy, makes them annoyed. Whatever, what, instead, of what, instead of what makes them friendly, makes them antisocial or who knows. I'm just, that's just baby-level stuff. It could go there, you know? Well, and, and, and this is a beautiful thing, I, 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 and I love this, right? Because, again, you know, I, I had never talked to you before. I, I, I talked to you about a year and a half ago. We tried to record a podcast. Right. It didn't work out. We were just yakking. And discovering, like, whoa, like, you've tread a lot of territory that I've tread, but you, right. you know, we didn't know each other. And from no. totally different perspectives. And see, right. for those of you that listen to this program, you know, we talk a lot about survivors who, uh, for various reasons, have d divided their personality as they're surviving heavy-duty trauma. Right. And when I'm reading about your the room's revelation, th this is what I'm thinking. 
I'm thinking these are the various traumatized, demonized personalities or fragments that people right. are navigating life with. And, right. and, and what your model has succeeded in doing is actually going after the parts of that person that are demonized and not just trying to combat the compartments from the front as if to say right. one thing just over the whole person is going to work because it doesn't. And no, your revelation right. goes right to the point. And this is the same way that I've learned to do deliverance. It's like, I'm not just going to deal with the person that's presenting. When I am going after it, I'm, I'm going to pull that part of them that's demonized near this, what I call the surface and right. deal with th that directly as the presenter watches almost, or might just right. sit back because I'm not, if, 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 if you're not addressing the room, as you call it, Right. You're not actually getting the necessary breakthrough. You you, you could sit there and yell all day long. Right. If you haven't hit the room, <laughs> you you aren't actually achieving a breakthrough in many cases. Right. You're kind of like doing what the Apostle Paul said. You're swinging in the air. You're saying you're not reaching your intended target. He says, I don't, when I fight, I fight with a target. If not, so that way I don't waste my time beating in the air, which means just swinging in most at least a lot of deliverance ministries that I have noticed, um, especially those that usually are not skilled or at least seasoned in deliverance, it's literally just swinging and fighting the darkness with darkness, meaning they'll just go into a dark room and just call out a million spirits. Well, obviously, you're going to get one or two, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then they call that deliverance. And by the time they target one or two by calling out a hundred spirits, um, an hour and a half has went by where the person is drained, the minister's drained, the intercessors are tired, um, it's already midnight, and you're still at church trying to... I said, okay, no, 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 just go into the room, turn on the light. As soon as you turn on the light, there goes the demon, it's sitting over there next to the drawer, and you just target it, and then you, you begin to remove it. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's just level one. Then there's like furniture in the room or sometimes you go into the room and you got to rewire the outlet it's the outlet that's off the furniture is fine it's that outlet that's causing the lights to not uh, turn on or whatever so that's why it can never be a cookie cutter formula because if you just go in there i've done deliverances i'm gonna be honest with you where i didn't even call out a spirit i hugged someone i said come over here and 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 i saw like okay god how do i I see something going on here. What do I target this? Holy Spirit said, just, just look at her and just, uh, just give her a hug. And then I'll, I'll, you'll see what happened. I'll just say, come over here, give me a hug. And immediately this manifestation. Hmm. While I walked in, I saw some of my deliverance workers casting out spirits, and, out, and I saw nothing was happening. And I'm like, okay, guys, you know, like learn a lesson. And if it's not working, find a strategy, you know. Um, it doesn't require to cast out a spirit all the time. Sometimes you go in and the demon is hiding in an outlet. Like, okay, unscrew this here. The wiring is off. The black needs to go with green. Green needs to go with green. Okay, I see it. It's backwards. Okay, switch that. Close it up. And that could take five minutes. It's like literally that could take five minutes or maybe ten minutes, whatever the case may be. That's what I'm talking about. At least I'm intending to at least scratch the surface in my book to let's have another conversation with universally about deliverance so that way I could 
point them in the right direction and says, let's look at this as opposed to this cookie-cutter formula. Let's look at that. Let's, this is a house. Let's rearrange stuff. Let, let, let's talk about furniture. You, you, you mentioned furniture out and outlets. I'm, I'm going to have you talk about both. First, furniture. What, what do people need to understand about furniture? Well, Hebrews chapter 8 talks about uh, the, uh, the articles of divine service. It actually says that. It says the articles, um, or another translation says the items of divine service, which means in the Old Testament, uh, for your listeners, you can find the Old Testament and then you can, uh, the, the, the tabernacle. You find the tabernacle, but then you find the Temple of Solomon, so there's an upgrade here, you know? But what? I, but you have the table of showbread. You have the, 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 the golden uh, candlestick. Um, you have, uh, it, it goes into even to the, the shovels and the spoons and the forks and the brazen plates and all this stuff. Now, on the surface, you know, to just be exegetical to the text, it's literally just a cup. Let's just say a cup. You're saying a golden cup. But in the spirit, that means something. You know how I know it means something? Because then why would God judge uh, the emperor, Belshazzar, because he touched the cups? Why would God care about a cup? Like, why would he? He literally got drunk and then said, bring me the items of uh, that Nebuchadnezzar stole him. And as soon as he started feasting with the, with the golden cups, the Bible says a hand came out of heaven and wrote on the wall and judged him for it. Why? Because these cups, these items mean something. Watch this. When you find the exiles returning back to Jerusalem, there's a heavy emphasis on all of the items. Because according to the Old Testament, these were items of divine service, which means they meant something. They literally meant something. Um, and they had a function in the temple and in the tabernacle. Well, the same is for the Christian. You know, these, this furniture, with, depending on which room that it is, provides a functioning. So if you go into my bedroom, obviously there's a bed there. There's a lot of functionings for a bed. Uh, there's for rest. Uh, there's the intimacy. This is functioning. Now, if you go to my room and you remove the, if you remove the bed out of my bedroom, I can't rest. I can't rest because I would have to sleep on the floor. It's the same in the human spirit. These rooms or within the genetic makeup of the personalities of this particular area of the personality, there's, there's things in there. And what happens is the, the, if the demons get a hold to those furniture, furniture in the rooms then they can cause functioning so you find the person um let's just say the, um, the you know that loves the lord but is immensely unhappy still you know or in this one area they're great they have a great prayer life but they also have an anger problem you know or whatever the case may be um so then what triggers that anger well very simple it's the way the furniture in the room is the way, what, what's the arrangement of the furniture in the room? It's nothing more than different than, you know, what's your, what's your worldview? What makes you angry? So psychologists try to attack that. The Bible talks about that. So if I want to help someone get delivered from anger, I'm just using an example. Let's just say I'll go and the Holy Spirit will show me, well, the reason why they're angry is because this is in the room and that is in the room. So what I'll do in deliverance is I'll just target that. Let me use let me use arrested development. That's a big one. Arrested development. 
So if I go, when I'm dealing with, let's say, a man, and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And the Holy Spirit will show me there's a demon of arrested development in there. Well, I'm going to tell you how the Holy Spirit will show me that. The Holy Spirit will show me a crib in the man room. Let's just use a man room. His room where he should be a man. He's a 40-year-old man. He's acting like a 10-year-old. I'll go into that room. The Holy Spirit will show me, and I'll see a crib. And what is a crib? What is a baby crib still doing? in this 40-year-old man's uh, man room or male room. Why? Because it's still there. That's what's making him still be a 40-year-old man with a 10-year-old mind getting angry over baby stuff or whatever. So I'll say I come against the demons hiding in that crib. I break that furniture now in Jesus' name. I throw out our angels. Angels remove that out of his room now in Jesus' name. And immediately, without a shadow of a doubt, I, I see an upgrade, like, quickly. You just upgrade, and the 40-year-old man will get an upgrade, so now he's no longer institutionalized in this area. Now he's actually thinking like a 40-year-old man with a 40-year-old body. That's an example of what it means to, like, remove a furniture. It's typology, but in the spirit realm, it's items of divine service. It, they actually exist. Whatever the Holy Spirit shows you, that's because it really exi exists. It's not just typology it's really there and so focus on that remove it and you'll see someone get deep deliverance quickly rather than sitting there come out come out in jesus name and just targeting all first level deliverance you'll go into a more of a deeper level of freedom for the person and explain outlets the outlets you mean like in a room like the outlets like the plug outlets or just what do you yeah, mean yeah because you know for those that haven't heard you talk before they might think oh okay i have a bedroom that i sleep in with with an outlet in my wall and that's where i plug my lamp in like you know but i believe that you're talking about inside of the person inside of their temple there's actually right. wiring and right. what you name well, outlets simple. yes i got it i know what you mean First of all, we have to make sure that, at least for me, because I'm a pastor, my, my brain is wired to make sure that there's scripture to validate this. Well, there is. The lamp of the body is the eye. Mm. The lamp. Notice how he says, lamp. The lamp of the body is the eye. If the eye, therefore, be uh, evil, the whole body will be full of darkness. Let's give an example of that. An outlet in a wall, in the room, in the typology of, its, of that function, let's just say metaphoric for this, or s the symbolism of that, would be that part of them in that room that causes illumination. And without the illumination to understand something, we stay in a place of ignorance. So there could be some areas of our life that we're very, very well uh, seasoned, matured, we have a great place of understanding, and then in other areas, we're just completely in the dark or it, it's dim so uh what i what i mean by that is potentially demons of confusion ignorance uh demons assigned to lack of progression in understanding demons assigned to hinder understanding or comprehension you know or demons of miscommunication or demons of faulty theology uh um the, the symbolism of that would be uh like like a plug in a room you know if it's faulty the light in the room flickers you smell a burning sense there's a smell of burnt wiring you know or there's not enough voltage in in the outlet 
you know, to produce enough voltage, uh, wattage rather, to get the bulb to be at its fullest capacity. So an example of that would be just someone's under, lack of understanding um, in something um, causing there not to be uh, an awareness to go to another level. So you have to target demons of confusion, demons of confusion, demons assigned to attack this person's understanding. Kind of like you ever talk to somebody and they just don't get it? Mm-hmm. Well, there might be a demon there that's making them not get it. They're, not, they're totally not understanding. Let's go even a step further. There might be some of your listeners now that are like, well, I never heard of that. Uh, I don't see it. I have had people read my book and say, I don't get it. And I'm saying, how can you not get it if I put it in simple terms? Well, very simple. <laughs> there are demons assigned to their outlet is off. So even though they plug in a brand new lamp, the wattage of that outlet, you, you need to take it out and replace it with a new, so that way the correct voltage and wattage can go through to the lamp, and therefore the body or their body, there it goes again, the body, their temple, will not be full of darkness. The metaphors are all over the New Testament and Jesus is saying. So that that would be like an example. And I, did, and I have targeted that, especially with religious people. Religious Christians, the first thing they need to do before they even go further in their deliverance is they need to remove and, and change all the outlets in their in their room because if not they're just not going to understand when you're trying to help them see it they're just not going to understand it because they're religious they the religious spirit will totally not let them see it they'll see it a little bit but the light in the room will be dim you got to change the outlet so that way they can have enough the right correct wattage so they could at least see it and say yes i need to get set free that is a fascinating revelation and it makes me think about uh, neurology and neural networks and, and I'll tell you, Alexander, one of the things that I've seen um, in, in different sessions, we, we've actually seen the angels go in and rebuild neural networks that had been hacked or manipulated uh, sometimes with, especially with the government projects, with, with physical technologies right. and other times because of demonic manipulations, but the neural networks are off. And that's right. what passes the light and um, it, it, it's like a circuit board for the body because it's a neural network. And, right. I, you know, I, I'm listening to you. I'm like, man, because body, soul, spirit, you know, they're all interfacing and right. deliverance gets into every, every every level. As a matter of fact, you talk about entrances and exits right. in respect to components of the physical body. Right. Take a little, just a moment, because I know that on other interviews that you've done, if people go on after you, you've talked about this many times. But for those who haven't heard you before, just give us a couple minutes on on this piece, which is a huge component of the book we're talking about: the secrets to deliverance. Well, Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, chapter at least chapters forty three through forty five. Um, there's a heavy emphasis uh, with God dealing with and dealing severely with Ezekiel. You find uh, many references, at least within those three chapters, where the Lord grabs Ezekiel by his hair. Now, at first, you read it and go, my Lord, like, why is he dealing with him, like, just so severely? The reason why you would grab someone by their hair is because you want to navigate their head to look at something. And he grabs Ezekiel by the head and says, son of man, pay 
close attention to the entrances and the exits of the temple and show my people their transgressions. He says, pay close attention to the regulations, the specifications, and the decrees and the laws. There are four words being used here, specification, decrees, regulations, and laws. Um, and he says, and help them understand. Well, Im- immediately, like, that stuck out to me. And then the ne- in those three chapters, he goes further into breaking that down. And what does he go right into in those three chapters? All of the rooms. He says, in this room, this is what they do. In that room, this is what they do. In this room, they do this. He even goes a step further and says, son of man, dig into the hole in the wall here, and you're going to find something. And as soon as Ezekiel starts digging or investigating, he finds another room. He says he saw a hidden door. And when he opened that door, he saw the elders of Israel worshiping um, uh, the god Tammuz and the, and the women facing the east. All of that means something. Facing the east is not just like literally just facing you know, the east. Obviously, it means that exegetically there. But also it means you know, the human body facing a different direction or there's some sort of human manipulation going on there where the body is in a different – it's kind of like – if you're one degree off on something, it just kind of spirals into a ripple effect of throwing something off, you know? So he says, look carefully, study this, and then go tell my people. So the same is well, with the human, the human soul, you know? When you look at all of these, like, binary codes or whatever it is that makes these uh, rooms be these rooms, um, you're going to find that you, you actually really have to go beyond being, like, um, surface. You just you got you got to go in there and say, okay, God, what am I looking at here? So here's where you have to look at like genetics and um, what makes this function like this. And, and a perfect example of this would be uh, the manipulating of the entrances and the exits is where the church missed it when dealing with someone struggling with homosexuality, because the the homosexual struggle. <laughs> It's not just the demon. It's in the entrances and the exits. It's how they're processing, how they view about themselves. So they think they're a woman trapped in a man's body, a man trapped in a woman's body. Well, what's going on there? It's, it's, not, it's not a demon in the room. It's a demon in the entrance and a demon in the, in the door, in the, in, the, in, the, in the gates. Well, very simple. Well, you say, man of God, you're exaggerating that. No, I'm not. Because what did Jesus say? I give you the keys the kingdom what are these keys these are keys for doors these are keys for entrances and exits not rooms they're not rooms these are the entrances and the exit the key specific function is an entrance and an exit to allow you to get in a room but you got to deal with you got to deal with what's going on at the door well then that makes total sense because jesus said i am the door so there's all of this uh not just you know um the book of Genesis, God talks to Cain and says, he says, if you don't do what's right, sin will be knocking at your door. Um, fast forward, Jesus also says to the Pharisees who are arguing with him, he says, how come is it that you're not able to understand what I'm saying? Because there's no room in your heart. There he goes again, room, door, keys. Well, what does this mean? Well, you know, like, have entrances the focuses and the entrances and the entrances and the exits if you figure it out there 
then the room is <laughs> the room is very easy. See what I'm saying? But most most Christians probably have the keys, but they don't know which key fits to what door. So they'll spend 50 years trying keys until they find it. I'm hoping that in this book, I at least give them at least one or two keys, at least that they can understand, and at least finally deal with the entrances and the exit. And I'll just throw one more thing in there. Psalm 24 says, uh, lift up the ancient gates, and the king of glory will come in. Um, lift up the everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong, the Lord mighty in battle. We've been reading that psalm assuming it means worship. That psalm is about deliverance. Because it goes, what are the everlasting doors, the entrances and the exits to the human soul? What's the next verse? Who comes in? The Lord, a man of war. So notice how once you open the ever ancient gates and everlasting doors, what happens immediately? The Lord comes in like a man of war cleaning out the house. That psalm has nothing to do with worship. That psalm has everything to do with deliverance. So the list is endless. I could keep going. It's all over Scripture. If we would just remove the lens and the filter of modern evangelicalism, they'll see it because it's literally um, right in front of them. And this is uh, one of the things that I notice, especially when people are talking from a standpoint of having navigated the spirit realm. There's a lot of Christians that are very cerebral about their engagement and teaching the Word of God. Very cerebral right. in where everything becomes an allegory, a metaphor. It is a moral message hidden in every right. and and people that engage with the spirit whether it's a deliverance minister mystics or hyper prophetic people <laughs> seers you know right. they're <laughs> they're looking at this as realities right and there's a different kind of communication that's happened now when you begin to look at the bible and what it shares on different subjects whether it be rooms keys doors scrolls uh clouds uh, mountains, right. and you begin to see the reality right. of these things in the spirit, um, even the spiritual weapons. I love this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Some Christians think their only weapon is a sword, and they were told right. it's a defensive weapon. It's like, well, but right. what about the fire of God or the north wind and the south wind? What about the right. hailstones of God? Like, there, there are so many weapons right. in the Bible, and, and guess what? They're literal. They're, they're not metaphors right. and allegories and and i love listening to you because I, I i hear the same revelation it's just like no you have two sides of a veil sure but they're both real <laughs> right right and go ahead no but you're exactly right and i think i think the reason why um to their defense because uh, we were once like that as well, you know, sure. very, very, sure. I call it church, churched out, you know, and, uh, you know, in bondage to Moses's veil. Um, Second Corinthians talks about that. It says, um, removing the veil of Moses, for even unto this day, that same veil is upon them at the reading of the Old and New Testament. It talks about that, you know, so there's this unveiling. The Holy Spirit wants to unveil so that you can understand what the book of Hebrews chapter 6 calls the powers 
of the age to come. And what's interesting about that statement, the powers of the age to come, um, actually, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says that it's the that those powers of the age to come are actually elementary, which means those are that's level one stuff, and we haven't even gotten there yet. And the book of Hebrews is saying when you get there, realize that you're on level one still. And it says that's why it says let us go on unto perfection, which means there are realms, and it keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher. And this was some of the prophets; they kind of tapped into that a little bit, you know, uh, where they're able to control weather. It's not going to rain until I say it rains. Elijah does that. Um, Joshua looks at the sun and says, "Sun, stand still." That's next level. And even that, that's still level, kind of like level one. But he would, they were tapping in the powers of the age to come. You're saying you find it all throughout Scripture where Moses would say something so simple. that says, if I'm a man of God, and he knew he was a man of God. He says, if I'm a man of God, let the ground swallow you up. The ground just literally opened, swallowed up the whole family of, uh, I forgot his name, but um, swallowed up the whole family of Korah and all of them that rebelled against him. Elijah does the same thing when they're coming to get him. He says, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Fire came down from heaven, killed 50 men. Another group of 50 come. If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. Another, another 50. He literally just killed 100 people. And then by the time the third brigade came, the guy said, hey, please, got on his knees and said, man of God, please don't kill me. Listen, I know you're a man of God. Can you please just come with me? And then the Holy Spirit said, come. This is the level they walked in. Same level Jesus walked in. Walk on water. But believe it or not, that level is elementary. That's why when they were amazed, Jesus said to Nathaniel, are you amazed because I did that elementary thing? You haven't seen nothing yet. You will see greater things than these. And that's the stuff we're supposed to walk in. Greater works than you do. Um, but we still, uh, we're still behind the veil. And God is trying to get the body of Christ to remove that veil to go further. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get to that level. And I'm pursuing it. And I've seen some stuff. And I have, and we, you and I both, we've barely scratched the surface, you know. But we know that there is realms to tap into. But you know, um, Paul said to the perf to those that are perfect, we speak like this. So I understand. Me and you could have this conversation um, that we could anoint the handkerchief and know that uh, that there's a transfer on it from my body. And I say, whoever touches this, this is what's going to happen, you know. And we, you and I could talk about it, but to someone who might not be at that level, to them it's, you know, witchcraft or error or <laughs> demonic or whatever the case may be, but it's actually the opposite. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. it, it you, 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 if, if I'm not careful, you're just going to drag me all over the place. I... I, 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 I <laughs> Let me let me say this. You have this amazing book, The Secrets to Deliverance. Folks, it is available uh, anywhere books are sold. And, right. And, um, Alexander Pagani has quite a presence on Facebook. You can look him up. Uh, you can follow him um, or his ministry. Um, you've told us a lot about this. I, I, I just want to give you a little bit of time 
where I'm going to exercise self-control and say, <laughs> thank you for being my guest. Let's let you talk for a minute here. Uh, and, and tell us about some of the things, because you are writing a second book as well. Right. You're working on it. Right. It will be coming right. out at some point in the future. There's some exciting things going into that. Just take a few minutes and give us some of the excitement. Well, the second book we're going to be releasing from Charisma House, um, the potential release date is May of 2019. Um, as we release this month, our first book. So our second book with Charisma House will be releasing uh, about a year from now. Um, and we're going to be focusing on deeper curses, kind of like talking about the neurotransmitters and things like that, that, that you know, what we were just kind of talking about in this um, in this uh, interview here. But what makes this book, or at least what I believe the Holy Spirit is really impressing upon me, is to focus a lot on the Genesis 6 narrative, you know, the Benai Elohim, the sons of God, sleeping with the daughters of men and producing a race of giants. And the reason why they became so wicked was because uh, the humans at that time, or at least, the, the, you know, those from sons of Adam um, couldn't really deal with them was because they were, differing with, they were dealing with a, a different genetically manipulated race of beings that they, they just didn't have. They weren't confined to the rules that control the sons and the, sons and daughters of Adam that, that you and I are, you know. Um, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, stay within Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 6 and just allow me to give you some stuff. So what we're going to be dealing with is, in this book, it's not the normal generational curses that you're going to find in your average um, Christian book on generational curses. So we will not be dealing with like witchcraft and orphan spirit and Leviathan and Jezebel. No, I'm going to be dealing with some of the some of the more hidden generational curses. Um, like I have here, vanity, gluttony. Um, I'm going to be dedicating uh, hip hop culture, which is nobody's ever done that at all yet. At least with hip hop culture and generational curses and dealing with the demons of hip hop. Um, I have here um, the Nephilim, uh, the curse of dysfunction, slothfulness, personality curses, um, tribal idolatry, Kundalini. I have the curse of the storefront churches, or why certain churches just don't grow, you know? I have the curse here of, of legalism, procrastination. I have a whole list here. And I, what I'm going to do is I have to narrow this down um, to probably a top, uh, or group them one within the other, and kind of like what you said, like interface them into how uh, these um, curses um, uh, are not being addressed, so therefore you get people that renounce witchcraft, re rejection, orphan spirit, but they still got issues. Um, the, uh, curses assigned to um, where you come from, because I found that sometimes certain, there's a certain level of pride connected to where you're from. So there's demons that are like like I'm I'm Puerto Rican, you know. So you you know when you talk to the average you know at least Boricua, you know what I'm saying when when Boricua demons, you know, a sign of that. There's a certain Latin pride that comes with that, and they could be delivered from rejection, but you haven't dealt with the curse of, you know, Latin pride or a Latin, a Latin curse that are that go down that, uh, you know, um, uh, their bloodline and that. So we're going to be dealing with that, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm really excited about it because what I have here, what I believe the Holy Spirit is showing me, I have about 21 curses here. I haven't seen it addressed. 
nowhere else. So even though I know that this could probably be level one or maybe level two, but at least it'll bring the body of Christ at least up to level one because I haven't seen anybody really address like the curse of the storefront churches. I've never seen that. And there's a lot of churches that are storefronts and can't get out of it. They've been 20 years, 15 members, and can't break out of that. You know, where there are curses assigned to that. You know, we have to break that. You know, we got um, dysfunction. I find that a lot in uh, within Latinos and blacks, you know, that there's a lot of dysfunction going on there that they can't, you know, they can't progress out of the ghetto. You know, there's ghetto curses that are there. I, don't, I, have, I have yet to see anybody address ghetto curses, you know. We got to get our people out of that, you know. Um, and I have here the Nephilim, you know, hybrid curses. You know, you're dealing with a genetically altered curse there. So you got you to gotta find what's its name. And some of these names are not even, have been revealed yet. You have to take a step of faith and say, this is what I believe it's named. And it might not even be anything on the elemental scale. Like, you know, we have a list of demons and curses. There are new curses that are being, uh, that are evolving, that you and I have to take a step of faith and say, this is what I heard, and, and it's some crazy new name. And the people be like, I never heard of that. Well, it can't be a curse because I never heard of that. Well, it's a new curse that's been evolved for this time. So I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit, and I have a couple there, I'm just not privy to release it yet, um, that it's just there. And when it comes out, um, I believe it, it'll be another uh, step forward in the evolving, in the, in the progressive uh, um, insight into this revelation of deliverance and bring upgrade at least a couple of notches up to help at least the church get an upgrade. And, you know, I, I'm just going to say this. If people listening think that the kingdom of darkness does not evolve in their strategies, you are deceived. Uh, they yeah. do study their opponents, which are those in the body of Christ, <laughs> attempting to uh, break you know, the power of darkness by intentionally applying the finished work of Jesus Christ and develop new strategies around approaches and so i know like in in my own ministry I, I i've seen how something will work for a while and then god the holy spirit is having shift methodologies in right. response to the evolving nature of what the powers of darkness are doing it, it, it's, right. it, it, it's mind-blowing it's like playing chess and right hey you know but this is what we signed up for right <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> um Alexander, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but I am <laughs> going to respect your time. Right. And so let me just uh, give you the opportunity to tell people a little bit about what they can find about you, uh, where they can find it, and some of the best ways to get your book. Well, very the, the, the fastest and the most, uh, I guess, place to find me uh, – is on social media. I'm a very social media, modern technology-driven uh, pastor. Just look me up. Um, my name is unique enough that when you look it up, I'm going to pop up, Alexander Pagani. Or just follow me on Facebook, Alexander Pagani Ministries, um, and you'll just 
stay up to date where we're going to be ministering next. We, I'm an itinerant minister as well as a pastor, so I do travel. Um, we will be in uh, Memphis, Tennessee with uh, Dr. Matthew Stevenson and that crowd, you know, ministering mass deliverance out there. So just um, if you're looking forward to getting some sort of breakthrough, just follow my, uh, my, my itinerary. Um, come out, fly out to where we're at, and we'll try our best uh, to, to help you get set free. So just look for me on Facebook, um, and you can get the book on any outlet out there, but you can get it very quickly through Amazon. You can download the ebook or at least the Kindle version of it, and you could be reading it within the next five minutes. So, um, yeah, just look me up, Alexander Pagani. You'll find me. Folks, my guest, Alexander Pagani, his book, The Secrets to Deliverance. Thank you so much for doing what you do, for taking the time out of your schedule to be with me on this program. And, folks, until next time, God bless. Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com.